God created everything and God created everything everywhere. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery, taking you through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Today we read from Isaiah 45 to 47. We're going to study Isaiah 45. Several verses here, about seven. It's going to be very interesting. Corey is here. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be focusing in on Isaiah chapter 46 and some of those gods of Babylon. Ryan? Well, in the Bible, God often comes against those involved in false worship, including star worship and even astrology. And today, I'm going to be looking at some Isaiah passages also forbidding these practices. All right, very good. Look forward to that coming up in about 20 minutes. Janice? Today, the Lord, the only Savior. All right, very good. Take your Bible guide and let's turn to today's passage as we read it and understand what God is saying to us as we open His Word, the Bible. Isaiah 45, verses 11 through 17. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, Ask of me things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands you command me. I have made the earth and created man on it. I, my hands, stretched out the heavens, and all their host I have commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and let my exiles go free, not for price nor reward, says the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord, The labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and of the Sabaeans, men of stature, shall come over to you, and they shall be yours. They shall walk behind you, they shall come over in chains, and they shall bow down to you. They will make supplication to you, saying, Surely God is in you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly you are God, who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. They shall be ashamed and also disgraced, all of them. They shall go in confusion together who are makers of idols. But Israel shall be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed or disgraced forever and ever. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 11 through 17. Isaiah chapter 45, chapter 46, and chapter 47. That's what we study today as we go through the Bible in one year. We're going to focus in time and chance on Isaiah 45, 11 through 17. While it's often said that time heals all wounds, that humans are often victims of chance, we would be wise to remember that God is the creator of everything and is still active force in the world. God is not the God of chance, though things take time to heal, true, but true healing comes only from the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a designer, and it is important to get this fact in our minds as we read through the biblical prophets, because they do not view the world as a victim to time and chance. 
Instead, they see the world through the lens of God's great plan that works with and through despite human interference and human free will. All right, these concepts are important as we remember and read Isaiah chapter 45. That's important, okay? Because Isaiah did not see the world as developed by billions of years through chance. That's not what he did. So get your Bible guide and turn today to the passage, Time and Chance. Isaiah 45, 11 to 17, just a few verses we're going to look at and teach on. And Father, I pray today as we do this, that you would give us wisdom. Help us to shift our hearts according to your word. Teach us your way, Lord Jesus Christ, and show us your path. And we ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us, that Yeshua would be real and and really speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, go to uh, our phone number and call us or write to us. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on it, takes you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donation. And you can go to, it'll take you to a page you can download it just as we have it. But let's focus on this because this is interesting right now. Isaiah 45, we're going to pick up with verse 11 because the last three years we've covered pretty much everything else. But we're going to talk about 11 and 12. We haven't covered that. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And his maker. Did you get that? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker. Ask of me things to come concerning my sons. And concerning the work of my hands. You command me. I have made the earth. Now, take a look at verse 12. Just look at this. I have made the earth. Not time, not chance. I have made the earth. I just want to get that clear in our hearts. I have made the earth and created man on it. That's a very important aspect of what Isaiah says. I, my hands stretched out the heavens. Did you get that? My hands stretched out the heavens and all of their host. I commanded. I have commanded. Okay, now, now, You need to understand that God is the creator of everything, everywhere. And a lot of people would say, well, how can he do that? I don't know, but I know he did it. We would do well to bring our decisions in coordination with God's. (laughs) God makes decisions as well. In fact, he's made decisions about you and about me. God is not a God of chance and time. He's a God of decisive election and decisive adoption. When we choose against God, he goes around and he makes us, gives us a decision. We can choose for God. All of our life will be able to do that until we finally choose God. And then when we do, we take the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Things change. Very, very important. Now that's in Isaiah. Isaiah, one verse here, 45, 13. I have raised him up in righteousness, rightness with God, and I will direct all his ways, all of his ways. I will direct him. He shall build my city and let my exiles go free. What? He shall build my city and let my exiles go free, not for price nor reward. 
says the Lord of hosts. God makes all the decisions about our past, about our present, and about our future. Even though we choose, God has already made those decisions. As Christians, we are elected and called to serve the Lord. Now, this can be highlighted in Ephesians, and we see this. Okay, so keep that in mind. This is a setting up or uh, a getting us positioned for the New Testament. God knows everything we're going to choose, even though we have, from our perspective, it seems like a free will choice, but God already knows the future. He knows what we're going to choose. He hasn't dictated what we're going to do. He knows how we're going to choose, but he has woven the path. Now, this is very hard for us to understand, but Isaiah says this, the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you see that? That's why we praise God. All right, let's go on. This gets better. Isaiah 45, 14 to 17. Thus says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, God, Elohim, the, lab, the labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and of the Sabaeans, men of stature, shall come over to you and they shall be yours. Men of stature, they shall walk behind you. They shall come over in chains and they shall bow down to you. They will make supplication to you. Do you understand what he's saying here? This is very important to hear this. Saying, surely God is in you. Did you see that statement? Surely God is in you and there is no other. <laughs> there is no other God. Truly. You are God who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. They shall be ashamed, and also they shall be disgraced, and all of them, they shall go down in confusion together, who are makers of idols. But Israel shall be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. That's Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. You shall not be ashamed or disgraced forever and ever for eternity. Let me tell you something. This is fascinating. God is recognized in those who follow his ways. Those who do not follow God's ways are lost. I want to tell you that is so important. Do you follow God? Do you follow God? Well, it's really important. Now, I can tell you that I try to follow God. I, my humanness is so human, but I ask God forgiveness every day to help me follow him. I've done that for over 45 years. And I want to tell you something, that God helps us. There's two things God does. Number one, he gets rid of fear. And number two, he helps us with his Holy Spirit. I have changed. I want to be clear about this. My personal testimony, I have changed, not because of me, but because the Holy Spirit has changed me. Absolutely true. And you know what? The Holy Spirit, not from this world, can change you if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hi, 
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Isaiah chapter 46 is a really interesting chapter. It talks about the gods of Babylon specifically and how they're going to be humbled and taken away into captivity, just as the Babylonian people will be taken into captivity. So I want to start out by taking a look at some of these gods, and then afterwards we'll take a closer look at some of these verses related to them. Check it out. Due to Israel's interaction with Babylon, and specifically with the Neo-Babylonian Empire of Nebuchadnezzar II, there are many references to this nation and its practices in the Bible. In the biblical books of the prophets, the religious system of Babylon is often called out to be in direct opposition to biblical beliefs. This was particularly concerning, as many former citizens of Israel and Judah had been removed from their land as exiles and lived in Babylon with and under this system of worship. Connected to this exile imagery, the prophet Isaiah, living before the Babylonian exile but still in a time when Babylon's chief god Marduk was widely worshipped, makes the claim that one day Marduk's idol would be carried off into exile with its people. The history of Marduk is an interesting one. His main cult center was the city of Babylon at the great ziggurat and adjacent dedicated temple. This ziggurat and temple faced a series of destructions, rebuilding, and renovations throughout the many ages of its existence. But the most famous reconstruction occurred under the watchful eye of Nebuchadnezzar II, the great builder king of Babylon who also was responsible for the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and who appears as a main figure in the biblical book of Daniel. During this time, Babylon's temple and ziggurat experienced a type of golden age, when its former glory was perhaps even surpassed by the extravagance of Nebuchadnezzar's renovations. Nebuchadnezzar could then claim to be a truly dedicated monarch and take up his place at the yearly festival held for Marduk, when the king would take the idol by the hand and lead it through the streets of Babylon to another temple, where all would bring their offerings and worship. The worship of Marduk goes so far back into the history of the city of Babylon that his origins become murky, but his association with and as the patron god of Babylon are likely original. It's believed that as the city of Babylon gained political power and domination over other cities and territories, that the power of Marduk also grew, beginning to absorb other gods and their powers and realms into his own. As Marduk absorbed other gods in popular belief, their names became descriptive names for his many attributes, until eventually Marduk could even just be referred to as Bel, meaning Lord. By the time of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar II, Marduk was king over all the gods and the savior of humanity. These roles had been described in the even now famous Enuma Elish and another poem. 
Marduk was believed to be strong enough to rule over all other gods and to be personally interested in helping the fate of humanity, which adds a very sobering context for Nebuchadnezzar's confession of Israel's God as recorded in the book of Daniel. You know, as we've been talking in, in, in some of the breaks that we've been taking, we've all been noticing uh, how poetic Isaiah really was as, a, as an author and as a prophet, he really enjoyed a turn of phrase. And we have an example of this in our assigned reading when it comes to these gods of Babylon. So I wanted to read it to you, verses one and two of chapter 46. Listen what he does here with the word burden. Bel bows down, Nebo stoops low. These are the gods of Babylon. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. They'd be carried along with carts. Each year during a ceremony, they would be carried along during carts. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. They themselves go off into captivity. So what's really interesting that Isaiah is doing here all around this idea of being a burden is he's saying these idols, they are a burden, but more than just for the beasts that pull their cart, they're a burden to the weary people. And they're unable to relieve, the, the gods themselves are unable to relieve the people of this burden. In fact, they themselves, these gods themselves, will go into captivity, just like their people. Very. Really interesting turns of phrases by Isaiah. And what is it that Jesus says? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and Mm -hmm. I will give you rest, Mm -hmm. because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. It's a complete change of switch. It's a reverse. Yeah, the the opposite. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Corey. Excellent. Ryan? All right, well, in today's reading, God exposes idols and all other so-called gods as false. And in Isaiah 47, God even calls out and exposes the astrologers, stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators of Babylon as utterly powerless. God's point is that he alone is God, so we have no business seeking after other gods or idols or looking for answers in the stars because they're empty and powerless and they can't save. We don't need to be worshiping or wishing upon a star. Instead, we need to worship and serve the living God and make our requests known to him, the creator of those stars. Of course, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't study the stars or the rest of creation for that matter. God created nature, and I I really do think that he enjoys when we explore the things that he's made, because when we uncover the designs and the amazing intricacies of his creation, it causes us to worship and to honor and adore him. But this brings up a really important issue, and that's because some people get confused over the differences between the practice of astrology, which God forbids, versus the practice of astronomy, which is a legitimate branch of science. So my segment today attempts to distinguish between these two very different practices from a biblical perspective. Take a look. Although the words astronomy and astrology are very similar sounding, they have markedly different meanings. Astronomy is the combination of two Greek words, aster meaning star, and nomos meaning law. Thus astronomy literally means star law. Although astrology also shares the Greek word aster, it is united with a different Greek word altogether, logos meaning word. 
so astrology literally means star word. However, the modern meaning of logos has been broadened to mean systematized knowledge. Actually, some sciences such as biology and geology use the same root, so it is easy to think that astrology is a science too. However, affirms one scientist, it is not. Astrology is the belief that the positions of the sun, moon, and the planets affect our lives and our destinies. Since astrology is more of a belief system than a science, it qualifies as a religion or cult. Actually, astrology is nothing new. On the contrary, it is an ancient pagan religion that finds its roots in Babylon. What does the Bible say of this false religion? There are several passages which forbid the worship of the heavenly hosts. However, these are indirect references since the modern practice of astrology generally only consults the celestial objects for guidance rather than worshipping them as deities. However, Isaiah 47, 13-14 is direct. In this chapter, God is making pronouncements against Babylon, the very place where astrology originated. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels, says the Lord. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save you from what shall come upon you. Behold, they shall be a stubble, the fire shall burn them, they shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. It shall not be a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. God's disapproval and displeasure with the practice of astrology is made absolutely clear here. Besides this Isaiah passage, the word astrologer or astrologers is used eight other times in the Bible, all of them in the book of Daniel. Admittedly, the original word translated as astrologers in Isaiah is different from the original word used in Daniel. And while the word translated as astrologers in Daniel can have several meanings, given that this was Babylon and that Babylon was the source of astrology, it is probable that translating this word as astrologers is warranted. Though the practice of astrology may be different in form today, it is still occultism, and its distraction from the proper worship of the one true God violates the first and greatest commandment. As Jesus Christ himself explained in Matthew 22:37, the first and greatest commandment is this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So while astronomy is the study of the heavens and is a legitimate science, astrology is an ancient occultic pagan religion which claims that the positions of the sun, moon, and stars somehow control our destinies. And you might be surprised to learn that millions of people today, whether they realize it or not, are practicing astrologers. Um, take farming almanacs as an example. Many of those include astrological lore on when to plant. For example, in some of the writings it claims that when the moon is in certain zodiacal constellations, conditions are favorable for planting certain crops. But planting should be avoided when the moon is in other constellations. You know, I've also met Christians who are hung up in astrology as well, especially regarding the zodiac. This really isn't good. We as believers in Jesus Christ need to stay away from astrology or any form of star worship. Not because there's any power in it necessarily, but ultimately because it distracts us from the proper worship of the one true and living God and prevents us from fulfilling the first and greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. You know, that's very important, Ryan, and we need to keep that in our minds so we don't get distracted by that. The Word of God should be there. Janice? Yes, and, and following that same uh, train of thought, Ryan, is that, you know, between the two of you, you've got two boys, each and um, they're seven and under. 
And I'm always so thrilled when you talk about that you're sure that God is so excited and, and so pleased when we do take a look at creation because I see and spend time with these little fellas and they're excited over everything. You know, you can see a little ant crawling by and they're fascinated and, and, and pointing things out. And when they come over on Sundays for Sunday lunch and, and, and the birds that come to our bird feeders come and they're sitting there and the squirrels come, they're so fascinated by that. And it makes me smile and I know that God must be so pleased. And uh, he, we are God's children, no matter how old we are, whether we're uh, one or an, 101. And so I think that God truly is pleased. And it does remind us of who God is. And that's where I want to focus today. The Lord, the only Savior. In Isaiah 45, verses 18 to 19, I love the testimony given of who God is. Listen to it. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. Right there, right there, we have creator God. We didn't start from slime or some other thing. It is God who made us, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other, God says. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. You know, God's word is available for everyone everywhere. Here we have it in his word. This is why we come to you on a daily basis, bringing you the word of God. Do we have all the answers and understand every single word in here? No, we don't, but we are studying it. That's why we call ourselves Bible discovery, because we are discovering through God's Holy Spirit. We are discovering what God has said to us. So will you read it? Will you apply it to your life? I think it's very wise that you do. And we see and hear and are challenged by his word. And do we believe it or do we not? That's our challenge for today. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, God says, and there is no other. Amen and amen. Amen. Actually, that, that's really good. Let's read the Bible and stay focused on God because that's the only way that we can keep ourselves from going crazy. We need to pray today at the end of the program. I was thinking about this and I, I really have to pray because I, I trust in the Lord that he will help you with inflation and with all the things happening in the world. And Father, I pray for myself. I pray for everybody who is listening and watching on the internet or stations or wherever they're watching on their phones. 
that you would touch them, that we reach out to you. Help us, Lord, to do the right thing in the right place and help us to have the strength of God. In Jesus' name, amen.